and welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday after Epiphany for the week of February 10th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I am excited to actually be able to go through, I think, a difficult reading to be able to tie Faith and Science together, and I think there is some really good depth that does come from this, but... I'm really excited to get into it, and I'm excited, and hopefully you are too, that we continue to get to go through this thing called winter, especially here in the upper United States. In Minnesota, we're just getting more and more snow, and I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of beautiful. It's really enjoyable to see. Yes, it means some work with shoveling and different things of that nature, but it's still exciting So, before we get into this week's podcast, we have to do our shameless plugs. Of course, we have our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it's a great resource to use. I use it since I'm not an ordained minister, and it helps give me some direction on where to go with this podcast. Between listening to seminary professors of Caroline Lewis, Ralph Jacobson, and Matt Skinner, it gives me the confidence to be able to bring you this podcast, and I would highly recommend checking it out. Second of all, if you watched the Super Bowl, you maybe saw a brief ad for God Friend of Me, and it's coming back here in the next little over a week, and I'm excited about that. February 17th, it will continue going with the season, so it's a perfect time that if you haven't seen it, to check it out and to catch up on a past couple episodes. I really enjoy it because it brings up some really good faith discussion, kind of discussing and thinking about how to walk out the faith in the 21st century that we're going through right now. So, let's get into this week's podcast. The gospel reading this week will come out of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And this is where we have Jesus at the lake of Gennesaret, which is also could be translated as the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd gathers around him. He decides the best way to be able to teach these people is to go out in one of the fishing boats. So he has one of these boats belongs to Simon. And so he goes out, sits down, which is the traditional way of how they would have taught at that time. You don't stand up, you sit down. And after teaching and speaking, he says, cast your nets on this side of the water one more time. And Simon Peter, or Simon at this point, kind of says, we've been out all night, we haven't caught anything, but if you say so, we'll do it. And they throw out their nets, and there are so many fish in their nets that he waves over to another boat to come and help them. And I think of actually a really key point that is brought up that can be very quickly overlooked when they came back and filled both boats and they begin to sink. So essentially how I read that is if one boat had taken on all the fish, it would have just completely sunk. That it needed that second boat to be able to share the wealth. And then this is where the Luke's call story of the disciples. So that he then follows Jesus as he continues with his early ministry lot there. Really neat story. There's a lot of things I think we can pull out of there and tie together with science. 
The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, optionally 9 through 13. And this is where kind of the beginning call story of Isaiah, that you have the Seraphath ta- sees them, which you get also brought up in the Revelation at the end of the Bible, uh, but you have this... He's in front of them having six wings and how they cover his face and his feet and then two he flew with and they're doing the holy, holy, holies. And Isaiah, when being talked to, is woe is me, I am lost for I am a man with unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, coming from verse 5. So then they take a live coal, touch it to his mouth, And then you have this pretty fast transformation. Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin has blotted out, coming from the seraphath. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. And we get then in the optional reading how it's going to be a difficult time of what he's having to depart to the people of Israel at this time. But it's interesting how we have this moment that he feels unequipped. And then the Lord pretty much says, you are equipped. And so then he decides to have this fairly fast transformation of, yes, then I will do it. The psalm this week is Psalm 138. And There's, I think, some really neat things here, again, that you kind of get this, the Lord is my protector and has been with me through the beginning, and that he will then provide for me, that he is going to be the one who helps me to sustain me, and it's his love that will end up doing that. The second reading this week is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and this is where Paul writing to the Corinthians, is going through and discussing that after the resurrection of the Lord, that there were multiple people that saw Jesus, where you end up getting that there was more than 500 brothers and sisters, most of whom are still alive, though some have died, that he appeared to, and that he was one of the last ones. And it's not as more of an arrogant thing, but this is continued encouragement thing that this is not something that's covered up, that yes, the Lord has come back and did appear so that that's why we continue to proclaim this message. So what does this all mean? I, thinking about this, had a little bit of issue trying to put how all these pieces come together, and I found two different examples So I hope that at least one resonates a little bit with you. So one of them that I thought about was like a bean seed. And I'll attach a video of it growing below. But when you're thinking about a seed, a seed has all this loaded potential. But yet it has to feel somewhat comfortable being within a seed, especially that a seed can be dormant for an extended period of time. Scientists actually don't know at this point how long. There's been seeds that they know that have been sitting around for 500 years and they put them in the right situation and suddenly they start growing. So it can be in this dormant state or this non-growing state for an extended period of time. So there has to be some comfort there. But when you think about a seed, 
there also has to be kind of the scary moment, the seed realizing it's time to grow. And it's one of the things that I think is so awesome and powerful. I had a woman from a congregation uh, a while back talk to me about, we can explain all these different processes, but we can't explain the spark of life of when a seed decides to start to grow. And I would agree with that. It's one of the things that's really quite amazing. But so you have the seed that's deciding it's going to grow. So you have the risk of initially doing that. And so if you watch the video, the first thing it really does is does a lot of root production and really giving it the foundation that it's needing. And again, it's this risk that it took that the soil is going to be nutritious and have enough nutrient in it for it to grow and be firm enough and sturdy enough to support the plant. Meanwhile, that it's going to continue being able to get enough water for it to grow and enough sunlight for it to grow. But I think one of the other things that's really important too, that's a big risk for a plant, is when it is busting through the soil. When that green plant decides, yep, I'm going through the soil, because it doesn't know what's on the other side. It doesn't know what to expect. Is it going to be suddenly, it finds that there's a lot of plants growing that are taller than they are, and that there's going to be shade issues? Does it, this is the monsoon season, and that there's not going to be a ton of water after this? There's a lot of risk in what it's doing, but yet it's still pursuing to go forward. And if we take a bean plant, for instance, or any kind of vegetable plant, you have then, as it grows and if it is given the opportunity to mature, the amount of seed production, the amount of growth, the amount of fruit is way more than that one initial seed ever was. And that's where when I look at these gospel texts, we first and foremost, when the situation is right and God is telling us to do something, no matter how uncomfortable that may be, no matter how much of a risk it may be, we have to trust that the Lord is going to provide and that he is then going to nurture that. So that's where some of that discernment and making sure and understanding that it's God talking to you is a major and difficult part of the faith. But understanding that, okay, when this happens, no matter how crazy it sounds, if it's God, it will work. So then we they take that initial risk that you're laying down your roots, you're starting to think about busting that plant through the soil. And I think of the gospel reading with Peter where he's like, okay, yeah, I'll cast my nets one more time. He casts the nets. They're almost breaking. There are so many fish. The nets are almost breaking that he needs to call over another boat. And I think that's a very important point for me is when you're tending a garden or tending a plant, it's not just an individual person usually. It's going to provide multiple to be able to share, to be able to hopefully maybe even have multiple people tend to the garden to help this plant grow. But it's even if it is just yourself, you there are so many factors that are outside of you that you're playing whenever you're gardening. Is the soil nutritious enough for that plant to grow? Is there going to be enough water for that plant to grow? Is there not going to be enough sunlight for it to grow? Is there enough space for that plant to grow? There's a lot of these external factors, and we can try to control as many as we can, 
but we still can't do it on our own. There's things that we have to trust God is going to still provide and do for us. And I think when we take that risk to put our nets into the water and are trusting and knowing that God is telling us to do this, when we come up, there is going to be fruit that others can help us with and being okay with sharing that load. It's one of the things I think that's really powerful with this scripture and understanding just because we don't think we're qualified, kind of like the Isaiah reading, that's not an excuse because God will make sure that we are qualified to be able to do whatever we're needing to do. I did say that there was a second example and I think it's kind of interesting. It's something that I hadn't quite thought about in this way. And I found it a little bit helpful when I was kind of thinking about this, especially when I'm thinking about as part of my job, how do I help people with their faith? So many of us probably had New Year's resolutions, and a lot of those probably dealt somewhat with a number that we get when we step on a scale. And it's really interesting that this is such a big thing, but it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of different health problems that come with having excessive amounts of weight. And especially here in the United States, it is one of the biggest issues that we are having. So the typical human fat molecule looks like this. Carbon or C55, hydrogen or H. 104 and oxygen 6. And it's these long fatty chains that we have within our gut. And I was watching a TED talk, and again, I'll drop it down below. I highly recommend it. It's a really good TED talk. And he poses the question of when we are losing weight, where does it go? And if you know basic science, basic chemistry, you know matter is neither created nor destroyed. So when you're thinking about this and going through it, I mean, the answer that a lot of us, I think, would give is that you're using it as energy, but energy is a different unit than fat. So when you're calculating energy, you're going to be calculating it in kilojoules. It's a way of measuring energy. And if you're thinking about fat, fat's in kilograms. So you're going to have some type of conversion rate but you're still also going to have something that stays in kilograms. So his whole kind of question that he was going through as a physicist and who's done some definitely some decent chemistry from what I see in the TED Talk and using kind of mathematics to help figure this all out, going to ask that question. And so first it's kind of explaining how diet fits in with weight and that our body is kind of like a pool noodle. And I really actually like this analogy. If you put an almond in the hole of a pool noodle and tip the pool noodle, the almond comes out on the other end. Is that part of the pool noodle? No, it just went through it. And if you think of our body and our digestive system, for the most part, that's kind of what's going on. The stuff that leaves at the end is just kind of the fiber and different things. And hopefully we've extracted as much of the nutrition out of that as we possibly can but when you're thinking about this digestion then the breaking down when you're actually putting the digestive juices to breaking it down for it to be then absorbed into the body 
is when you actually start having digestion. So when you are looking at burning fat, the thing that we've been told and I would agree with is that you are trying to limit the amount of food going in. So the amount of energy that's going into the body so that the body then can make sure that you are moving more so there's higher demands then the food can be given. So thus the body has to go through what's called beta oxidation, which is then a hormones being released to go in to start chopping up these long fatty chains and to be used as energy. So when you burn, if you want to put it that way, these fatty chains, what do they become? Well, if you remember back to what we just talked about, that the human fat molecule is C55H104O6, it becomes CO2 and water. Water can be absorbed by the body, especially during physical exercise in the spots it needs it or out in sweat. And then carbon dioxide is the process of us exhaling that we are so accustomed to. And that makes then why exercise is difficult is when you, to be able to actually burn the fat is to one, make sure that you're getting into an area where you're getting beyond the food intake of what you've had, that it needs to start going into these reserves that your body has set aside to burn them to breathe out the CO2. And the best way of doing that and getting more inhalations and exhalations is through exercise. So it's for me when I'm thinking about that, it's a simple process. And the amazing thing that as we go through and are doing this process and how sometimes it can be so discouraging with weight loss is that 84% of that fat molecule is going to be breathed out in CO2. We don't see it. 16% in water, some type of water, but 84% is just breathed out. And it's since when we breathe out, it's in a gaseous form. It's really hard for us to see and comprehend it. And so it can be easy to be discouraged. We get discouraged because we don't see it. We don't understand that even though we're working hard, we've put our body in the right situation for the body to decide that this is the time to start breaking these different things down, to be able to burn these extra reserves that the body has set aside for a time such as this. That's what's hard. That's what's difficult, is figuring out how do we, as a people, put ourselves in these situations that God then is saying, I need you to do this. You're in the right situation now. And it's so easy for us to make up excuses or go through excuses and say, no, I'm not ready, or no, this isn't the right time, or no, this, no, that. And God doesn't say no like that. He's, now is the time. And I think for so many of us, it's so easy then to get discouraged when we're not seeing the results, when we're not seeing the progress that we think we should be making. Because maybe 84% of it, we won't see right away. It's going to be stepping on this magic scale later and realizing that a significant number of it disappeared. And yeah, it is like a little bit of magic on 
where did it go? And that's why in order to really lose weight, and his kind of summation in this TED Talk is to eat less, move more, keep breathing. And it's, I think, a really good kind of mantra for the faith, for the ministry, is no matter when times get tough, and trust me, we've all been there, that you keep going. You keep doing the work and trusting that God will provide Trusting that God is still in it, even though you may not be seeing the fruit today. You may never see the fruit, but you eventually, hopefully, will be in a situation where you see the impact of what you are doing. God is calling all of us to be able to do that. And there's plenty of places where he is putting his handiwork for us to notice. For instance, since we've talked about food, think about where does this energy that we get from food come from? It's the bonding of these different molecules of different sugar molecules and the way that plants and since even when you're eating meat, you're eating, they eat plants. The way that plants do that is through sunlight. So it's literally the light is providing you the energy that you need. So you're eating sun energy. If the Lord is the light of the world, I think it's not a, it's at least a funny coincidence that we run on light energy. So remember that when things are getting difficult in your own ministry field, that you are running on light energy. So we need to get into the Twitter question from last week and Twitter question for this week. The Twitter question from last week is, are there places that you have put correlation and causation together when they shouldn't be? And again, that's a very difficult question just to kind of comprehend and wrap your head around. And I think at times it happens a lot in ministry, that there are a lot of things where we decide that because this is happening, we need to do this. And that may be that God is maybe changing something. I know for me with dealing with youth, it's something that goes on quite a bit, that this is the way that it used to be. So this is the way we should do it. And we're just not doing it right because we don't have the numbers. And maybe it's time that God is saying that this is a time for change. I've put you in the right situation. You need to just trust me. And that's sometimes really difficult to be able to wrap your head around. For this week, though, I want the Twitter question to be, what situation has God put you in that he has said, go and is expecting, here I am, Lord, send me? What situation has God told you go and he's expecting your response to be, here I am, Lord, send me? He is expecting the idea of, yes, I will do this. And I think it's one of the things that's really scary, especially I feel as we get older, is that we like things staying the same. We like understanding things and feeling comfortable with the way that things are. And God doesn't always work that way. And sometimes that's what makes it really difficult. But the change, the shaking things up, is one of the most powerful things that we can actually do for our faith. It's through this that we learn It's through this that we grow. It's through this that God is able to fulfill the mission. So we don't have to be afraid of change. We embrace the opportunity for change. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.